Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. And welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm one of your hosts, Gianna Whitford, and here with me is my brilliant co-host, Maria Velasquez, and the lawn mowing crew at Maria Velasquez's house. (laughs) And today we are so excited because we have someone who's a fantastic speaker, Someone who spoke at Cyber Marketing Con 2022 on PLG, an expert in all sorts of things, a previous chief marketing officer and CEO at various companies, and just an overall fun to talk to guy, it is Steve Lachance. He is the founder and CEO of Discerner. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yay. Okay. That's the, that's the right answer. <laughs> Not, yeah, yeah, you guys yeah. forced me on. <laughs> so, Steve, tell us what is Discerner before we jump into our topic of engagement. What is Discerner, and like, what do you do as founder and CEO at Discerner? Thank you. Yeah, so Discerner is a consultancy, and we're building out some digital tools to make the processes a bit more accessible. And what it is is um, product, a product market fit for product-led growth. Every company in the world needs product market fit to survive. Product-led growth uh, has been around for anywhere from like six to eight years, depending on how you want to define the term, you know, that kind of thing. It's across all industries, but SaaS is usually a big one. And uh, actually, if you're interested in learning more about that, sometime in August or September, of 2023, my book, Marketing for Product-Led Growth, will be out. So uh, feel free to check that out. Uh, Listeners of the podcast here basically get it for like a dollar. You get it for free because you know Gianna, because you care about Maria, because you listen to this podcast. Follow the code here. Cheers. We got the connections. Thank Mm you. We'll make sure we link to that in the show notes. Oh, thank you. So uh, what Discerner does is help uh, organizations that are on their PLG journey, whether they're just starting, whether they're trying to make a move, whether they found a a couple hiccups in the sort of roadway that they're on. And we start really from the basics around product market fit and whether or not you even have the right product for product-led growth. And then we move on from there. So we can build nice, thriving, repeatable, reliable, growing cash flows Amazing. And we're here to talk about the people that power that, right? We're here to talk about engagement. So employee engagement, teammate engagement, you are growing a team. Maria and I have both do or have run teams in the marketing function of cybersecurity companies. People who are listening have employees, have direct reports. So we're here to talk about engagement. Because as we were chatting about before, the tech layoffs have come and they've come over and over and over again. And, you know, it was a little surprising. It's maybe it wasn't to people who have more of a finance background, but it was a little surprising to see that, wow, this is kind of a rolling thunder of layoffs over the last, what, eight months? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because like engagement is a topic for organizations, teams of all sizes, even teams of one. As an individual contributor, you might be feeling disengaged. And 
the really annoying thing about engagement from like an engaged at work perspective, not from a engaging a target audience, that kind of thing is you usually only know it's there when it's gone type thing. It's like you, you experience it by its lack of, it's really hard to have like a leading indicator for, or a positive measure of engagement in a former life, uh, about 16 years ago, I worked in human resources on a, as a training and org uh, specialist. And so one of my tasks at the time was like to figure out, even in a world of Southeast Michigan, right, 2008, 2010, where the, we were like diving into the Great Recession headfirst, people were still quitting their jobs, despite the fact that no one could find a job. And maybe, I mean, Gianna, Murray, tell me, you guys have experienced or witnessed burnout, I imagine, recently? Yeah, and, and it's funny you say you, you can't really tell whether it's burnout or whether you're officially disengaged or not. You just, you kind of think, oh, it's just life. It's family, it's work, it's other stressors, it's sleep, it's eating habits, it's all kinds of stuff. But it can very well be led by being so burned out at work. I've definitely been there, like actually burned out and been like, yeah, all right, time to go. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of the idea that like you as an individual, like there's accountabilities at the individual level and there's accountabilities at the leadership level to manage and maintain a healthy and thriving team environment made more difficult by a more remote era. However, also made easier by a more remote area era, because you can turn things off if you've got the safety at work to do that. To your points around, you know, experiencing burnout firsthand, Gianna, i firmly believe that like you can either take breaks, like you can either find time to rest or your body is going to find a time for you and you don't get to pick when that's going to be. And so your brain and your body might just say, we're done. And there's literally nothing else you can do about it because exhaustion is a real thing. You can't, you can't gut your way through physiological exhaustion. It's just not a thing you can do. I'm not a doctor, so don't like put that in a journal, but I've been burnt out as well. Like you just can't get out of bed, you know? Now, and when I think about accountabilities around like, how do we avoid that mechanism? Yes, there are the individual accountabilities like Maria had mentioned, but the team, team leadership matters and team dynamic matters. I think though, what it comes down to, whether we call it burnout or it's lesser, more prevalent variant, which is just uh, disengagement, it comes down to this balance of delight versus resentment. And delight is as simple as exceeding expectations. And resentment is like the fallout from expectations that have been missed. Now, these could be expectations at the company level. We missed revenue goal or we raised a round and it doesn't look like we're going to get the next one. This could be at the team level, promised resources that were promised, an agenda that was set, a schedule that you can keep and rely on. It could be at the career level. Hey, I, I just finished my MBA. I was told throughout my entire MBA process that I was going to be making 100 you know, $80,000 next year, and I was going to be a general manager, and I was going to have a P&L. And then that just didn't happen, because that's a, that's a difficult expectation. And then also at the personal level, right? Like, I expected to do this on my day-to-day. -day. I'm one of those people who's like, if you send me a meeting invite for same day, one, congratulations, you somehow got around my Calendly, like, barrier to stop you from doing that. But, like, I have an expectation for my day. And if, I, if it's missed, <laughs> I get upset. <laughs> nice. I'll still be there. But you're going to look pouty. 
on the oh. call. <laughs> this is my pouty face. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I find that hard to believe. I don't know. I've never, I've always seen you smiling <laughs> ever since we met in person. I, it's, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I mean, I got a, I got this whole alive thing going on. We might as well enjoy it <laughs> as best we can. The accountabilities, though, specifically are around setting those expectations evaluating the reality of those expectations, you know, oh, I got my MBA, I should be making 250K a year, and I should have a long-term incentive plan, and I should be a GM of a global, you know, PM, and it's like, or PNL. It's like, no, probably not. Communicating those expectations. We, no one in the world is a mind reader. Not you, not any of your employees. If you want your employees to get things done, you got to tell them what you need done. What is the outcome you expect? And then ideally just get the hell out of their way and let them do it. And then of course, changing expectations to meet reality. Like we're all accountable for setting, evaluating, communicating, and changing our expectations with the real world. I would also say that that's true of the outcomes themselves, how they're celebrated or rewarded or not. Uh, I don't want to steamroll this, but I have a great example around uh, like bonuses, annual bonuses. I've worked for Fortune 500 companies. I've worked for higher ed. I've worked in small startups. I have found across the board that recruitment sometimes, well, no matter who's doing the job, might say something like, oh, you could earn anywhere. You could earn up to like a 12% bonus. Well, like that individual contributor is thinking about how they're going to get their 12% bonus. They might even be budgeting for it or planning for it. And then the bonus comes in at like half a percent because somebody set an expectation for revenue that sales couldn't meet and mark then marketing got blamed for it. And ultimately, everybody's just upset because at the end of the day, an expectation was set at the company level that cascaded down to the individual. That expectation was not met. Everybody's feeling a little bitter about it because maybe much of it wasn't their fault. And now we've got resentment and disengagement and burnout. What's the difference between disengagement and burnout? I would say burnout is like you're done. You're walking out the door. You're you're ready to like no matter what the circumstances of your life outside of work, you're ready to not be at that job. And you it, it is a physical effort to get in every day to log in uh, and to do the work. Whereas disengagement is like you're going to do the bare minimum. Assholes in the media call it quiet quitting. It's like no. I've just realized that like the expectations we set for my professional development, for our team's development, for the outcomes that you're going to – like I expected to be able to do newer, better, more productive things for the company and then I wasn't funded to do that. Or you you were expecting me to work 60-hour weeks and I was expecting to work 30 or 40-hour uh, weeks or 32-hour weeks now and that misalignment means like, look, I'm going to work for the paycheck that's disengaged. Uh, I might even clock out a little early. Everybody's done it. The CEO does it. The board's done it. I'm going to do it too. You know. Whereas burnout is, I don't feel like getting out of bed today. That's a real thing. Like that's, everybody feels that at some point. Some people feel it in a chronic way. You're not alone. We're working on it. You mentioned this obviously exists in big teams, small teams, one-person teams. For the big team scenario and as a leader, what are some things you can do? What are some of the tactics you, that you can do or our listeners can do to help make a difference for their team? Yeah. So fortunately, it's very easy, but also extremely difficult. It's sort of like my own weight loss journey. Like Steve, just eat right and exercise. It's the <laughs> easiest thing in the world. Calories in, calories out. Yeah. Right? No, it's actually super no. hard to do, right? <laughs> <At> <laughs> <home>. so- <laughs> <laughs> You got to do it every day. Um, 
And uh, so step one is certainly communication uh, around, right, uh, not only the expectations, but also outcomes. Like what, what were your expectations? But also it's a daily conversation. A lot of, a lot of people really never get, certainly on bigger teams, they get irregular or infrequent or unpredictable. I don't want to say performance reviews, but just like check-ins and conversations. Or they work with someone. Maybe you're a leader and you're, you've fallen into this trap where you're busy all the time. And the one-on-one you have with your direct report or with your team in small groups stops being a one-on-one that's about them, which is what it should be. And it turns into another meeting for you to communicate needs of the organization. You're double and triple booked. It happens. I'm sorry to hear that. It's true. But when you set aside time for an individual to talk to you about what's going on in their world, the needs that they have, the concerns that they want, what their expectations of you as a leader are, and you take that meeting and you turn it into something where you're communicating to them about shit that you need, you've completely missed an expectation and you're actually hurting the process. You could flip that on its head. Half an hour, set it aside every week, talk to that person as a human being, which they are, to figure out what are their needs, their goals, their wants, and then help them achieve those. The second piece of communication is, I don't actually know if this has ever been written down. I kind of came up with it on the back of a napkin somewhere. So if you've already thought of this uh, shit, I'm sorry to take credit for it, but I'm kind of taking a little bit of credit for it, which is effectively just like the ladder, like a laddered method of communication. For example, and in practice, let's say you've got an organization with four levels, direct reports, team leaders, managers, directors. The director would ask the manager who their best team leaders are or what do their team leaders need? Like the two layers up is always asking their direct report what their direct reports need. That way, there's more than one mechanism for information to filter up to the top. There's sort of what that director might know already. But then there's also everyone below that knows somebody's asking about me. Somebody cares about me. And even if nothing comes of that, even if the answer is always, well, they need more money. Well, okay, that's a reality and an expectation that leadership needs to face. Hey, we're going to lose people to those that do. Or you might have individuals at the down at the individual contributor level. Well, they know that not just their team lead, but the manager overall is asking about them. They're aware that their work has an impact and is in somebody else's mind. I think there's a lot of resentment that comes up from tedious work where the individual feels like I'm just doing this. Like I'm literally just refreshing an Excel spreadsheet or like nobody's caring. Like, and you know, people matter. We matter. You matter. There's nothing wrong with wanting your efforts to be contributory and for them to be at least known. You don't not, you don't get a parade every week. You know, you're not necessarily going to get, you know, a call out at like a fortune 500s company level. Uh, but you can at least be aware that your direct supervisor and the one above that gives a shit. And when people give a shit about what you do in a good way, it's a little easier to care about what you're doing every day. I think that, you know, this is very applicable to us in marketing on the sort of more tactical level, right? Like anyone who's coordinator level, whose job is to like move things around, right? Like move this piece of content from this Word document into this like blog post and then publish it or do this like you know i don't want to say grunt work or shit work but like do this stuff that like is the operational basics of getting things done you know you could feel like i'm just doing like 
like crap work all day. I'm just doing like the dregs unless it's communicated how especially important that is to actually running the marketing department or like doing the marketing or the whole company drive like like your blog post, like being able to publish a blog post like drives revenue like in the long term as well as having like a career plan. Because I think the other thing on expectations, you were, you were pointing at it, Steve, is like, okay, like I'm doing, I'm refreshing an Excel spreadsheet. Will I be refreshing an Excel spreadsheet forever? Is that what I want? Is that what my future holds? Like, I think lack of engagement because of lack of career opportunity can also be something that happens. And it's hard to balance as leaders because sometimes, especially for those of us at startups, sometimes it's like, there's two people on this team. It's not going to get, you know, and we don't expect to grow for like, you know, headcount for like two years. And we're probably going to add people, (laughs) you know, not necessarily give everybody rate promotions. So what are your thoughts there? Um, if you're on a small marketing team, just be aware that I think it's something like, like 80% of all marketing teams have less than four people on it. So you're in good company. There's a lot of people out there who are feeling what you feel. If you're a a manager or a supervisor and you start to see that one of your employees is either directly expressed a concern that all they're doing is, you know, moving things in a design or in a blog post without an opportunity to even just express some input, like if you're literally just having them do tactical things, what you've really done is told signal to them that their professional growth, like not in terms of paycheck, not in terms of pay, certainly that comes along with it, but like the things that they're capable of doing and what they've learned, you've stalled that from them. And much like your body's going to make the decision for you when you're too tired to work or when you've, your disengagement has turned into burnout, your direct report now is going to make the decision for you about who's going to be on your team next year. If you're not providing them a line of sight towards knowing and learning and being able to do the next thing, whether it's at this company or the next, like just some level of professional growth in terms of skill set, capabilities, whether those are hard or soft skills, if you don't provide that to them, they're going to provide that for themselves. And then they're going to do it at their own pace and they're going to do it by building a network outside of you, which might be what you want. But ultimately, that person is going to leave your team. They're either going to get promoted out of your team, they're going to leave your company, or for some reason, the two of you are going to work at this organization in lockstep for like, I guess, 40 years or however long it takes to retire. That's nice, isn't it? That's actually nice. (laughs) You know, so. (laughs) It's kind of like, doesn't happen anymore. But I bet in these crazy days, I bet some people are actually dreaming of that. Like, wouldn't it be great if I could just stick around somewhere cool for like 40 years, you know, and just work with Steve? All Maybe. like all the time. <laughs> I the, the the first thing I tell all of my new employees is that you're not going to retire here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's start working right now on what your next job's going to be. Best case scenario, I got you for three years. And I consider that a huge win. So there's that from the management perspective. But then also from if you're sitting in that seat and someone's saying, Well, make the make the logo bigger, right? <laughs> Ask why. Be okay. It's okay. It's just, what do what we get? Not like why in the challenging way, because you say why and it's like, ah, but you could say, well, what, you know, what, in what way does that improve the design or what are we trying to get by that? I have this conversation with clients pretty frequently. They're like, oh, make the, make the logo bigger. It's a meme. We've all known about it. There's a great 
music video on YouTube that's already 14 years old. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you'll have to send that. We'll put that in the show notes. You, you got it. Um, and, you know, it's a, this is a high-end upscale brand, sells to the top 1% of income. And like, we'll make it bigger. I was like, well, you know, our brand is more elegant and subdued. Bigger is bolder. That's the opposite of what we're going for. And that individual who's not a marketer but is a designer just had to hear that. And then he was like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it's it's possible to be at the lowest level of an organization and still make really big impacts, especially if you're in a situation where directors are asking managers about team leaders, managers are asking team leaders about direct reports or individual contributors because good ideas get to move up, bad ideas get to get squashed. If a manager starts hearing a certain name pretty frequently in their weekly one-on-ones with their team leaders, they can keep an eye on who's in our talent pipeline, who's learning new things, who's expressing an interest in moving up the org chart. And then the other thing I would just put out there is, friends, you don't have to aim for the C-suite. Life is not just a series of progressively higher job titles. It's really not. One of the happiest guys I ever worked with, I actually worked for him, he was like five years out from retirement and they made him a team leader for the first time. And he was like, I didn't want to do this. And so he moved back down as a senior analyst and he was like, this is where I'm happy. And I was like, good for you, man. <laughs> like, so true. It's so true. I mean, I think like at the CMO level, how much fun marketing are you actually doing versus uh, being sort of uh, that, that communication vehicle between the board, the CEO, and the team. And that's pretty much it in answering emails. And then once a year doing budgeting for like five months. <laughs> no, yeah. If you, love, if you love being a marketer, CMO is probably not the job for you. If you love talking to other human beings, my favorite thing to do uh, as a past CMO and as I hate the term, but fractional CMO, basically I do a lot of like high level marketing for other organizations is like getting to know the people on the team. It's like you're an expert in this. So I'm asking you what we should do. Okay. How much money do you need to do that? All right. I will go fight the CEO to go get the money to do that. Let's do it. It's like eating healthy and exercising. It's very easy to say. It's extremely difficult to do, but it's an entirely different job than the fun stuff like, you know, actually creating copy, calling and talking to customers to figure out what's high value and a high willingness to pay and what message do they want. They're different roles. Like you said, Maria, you hit the nail on the head. Why attend Cyber Marketing Con 2023 in downtown Austin, Texas this year from December 10th through 13th? Well, there's going to be keynotes, panels, and workshops from real marketers working in the cybersecurity industry right now. From companies like Recorded Future, Google, Eureka Cyber, NetSpy, and plenty more. Plus, we'll have the best connections and networking of your career. Get your ticket before the pricing goes up on October 1st. Check out more about the conference at cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com backslash conference 2023. Can't wait to see you there. So we've all been leaders and maybe some of us have been disengaged and maybe some of us have had disengaged. Well, de- okay, I'm like couching things, but I've definitely been disengaged and I've definitely had team members be disengaged or disillusioned or sad or bored or like fret or busy, too overloaded. What are some things that we have all done? Let's maybe we could talk about some things we have done to help like get either ourselves back on track or 
get our teams back on track, like tactically. Yeah. You want me to start or you want to roll with it? You could start. All right. So <laughs> I got to think of an answer because yeah, yeah. I'm going to put you to work here. Yeah. I mean, so this is your to. Also, sometimes I start sentences and I don't know where they go until then. So <laughs> now we all have homework. So Steve, you go first. But I feel like Steve is the perfect uh, guest for that. Kind of thing. <laughs> like just just throw a couple of seeds and he's got it. He'll he's got it. Let's go see ahead. what happens. Yeah. So as uh, an individual who was disengaged, disaffected, kind of disillusioned, this happened actually when I left the Fortune 500 company, I was working in a group called Strategic Marketing. We did market intelligence. Sounds sexy. Sounds cool. It actually was a lot of fun, but it's not like there are no James Bond moments in it, which is cool. But this was a scenario where a lot of, I would say 80% of my disengagement was an internal accountability. I had a far, like when I was talking about that MBA who had totally un- realistic expectations about what their career growth and what their that was me wasn't it that was me that was, that was me. yeah that it. was not i didn't make that person up that was me <laughs> <laughs> i knew it additionally you know i had a bit of an i had not a bit i had an ego problem i was convinced that like i was you know high flying and i was you know sometimes the smartest person in the room I just had a hard time hearing negative feedback from stuff. And I worked with some great people who really helped kind of bring that together and get me back to reality and all that. The other 20% though was in this organization, there were obvious winners and obvious, I don't want to say losers, but you were going to be on the wayside. It's like if you weren't on a fast track, if you weren't in the finance development or the marketing development leadership pipeline, it was pretty clear that you weren't going to make it to like the the general manager or a vice president level. You could fight your way to director, but like top brass was going to be selected early on and then you'd be moved up through it. And so the way that I combated that internally while I was still there was I just started walking around the office and talking to the other departments every single chance I got, even if it was five minutes, I would go talk to the IT team and not even show up with a need or an ask. Just, hey, how's it going? What are you guys up to? That saved my bacon maybe like six months in when I was running this sort of matrixed organization where we were building a huge data lake from like every Home Depot point of sale machine, all of this economic data, all of this trade data, all of this port data. And I was like, I need, all this needs to talk to each other so that the sales teams can do something with it out in the field on their cell phone or on their their, I think they were using surfaces, so on their tablets. And I was like, had zero authority over the human beings that needed to, to actually build this. But having built the relationship months in advance by just talking to them about what they were up to, I not only knew how to speak the language a little better, but also I was relying on personal and professional capital that I had built up over time. And that takes time. So two things came out of that. One, getting off my desk helped a lot. Two, going to talk to not only IT, but talking to the sales teams, the area sales managers. What are you guys up to? What's life like out there? Talking to the product managers who are in charge of an entire product hierarchy across the globe, just learning and learning. That was my undirected, well, self-directed professional development period. And yeah, it kind of annoyed my boss at the time, but I kept getting my job done. So I turned, my disengagement was I'm going to do enough to not get fired, uh, actually, and to still get my raise each year, but I'm going to self-direct my own professional development. And in today's day and age, you can do that online. You can do that 
with professional groups. You can join professional Slack channels, for example. Those communities exist. Oh, like which ones? I would probably start with Cybersecurity Marketing Society. Uh, oh, there's a lot of, I've there's a, never heard of that. There's a lot of value in that one. Uh, <laughs> I love your story of how you turned around your disengagement into just taking your own reins for your career. Because I feel like I've done the opposite. I've been like disengaged and been like, fuck this place. And then just like I said that. jobs, <laughs> you know, yeah. like. Yeah. I worked, I, I had a bit of a, the same thing of you, Steve, like graduate college, college is much different than a work environment. You go into, I went to IBM, which is like way different than, you know, like that's the biggest of the big, the most processes, the most bureaucracy, the most internal turmoil at the time as they were um, selling a Dell and there was a lot of, or Lenovo, sorry, they were selling Lenovo out of IBM and it was a big internal mess and a lot of reorgs. And I went around thinking like, I'm going to do the best at my job and I'm going to be the best content strategist on the team. And it was kind of a dead end unit. Like there wasn't, it was like, you could just become more of a content strategist and work on deal teams. And I worked way too hard, like way too hard, took on way too much work because you could self-direct in that role. And then I quit. And I got another job at a little three-person startup. So I don't. That's not really an answer. Some, but it but it raises a really good question. If I can, sure, like for a minute. Yeah. You said worked way too hard. Way too hard is a yeah. value statement. So there was a perceived cost and a perceived benefit just in the phrase "way too hard." So you worked really, really hard. You didn't get something back. If you had gotten something back, it would have been worth it, and you wouldn't have said too hard. So my question for you is, what was missing? Well, I did get a $500 Starbucks gift card, which I used. That was great. I was Starbucks gold for a so while. So if it were like 2000 Stay up longer, <laughs> be more caffeinated and work a little bit too hard again. <laughs> yeah, I think I wanted, you know, when you're, again, this is, fr you know, fresh out of college, like. You're a big blue. That's a 30-year career. I yeah. know. Pre-full uh, brain frontal cortex development. You're like 22, 23, right? You're like still an idiot. Um, and... You know, there's hope for me. Yeah, I think the career opportunities were were missing there in my unit, and that is and working hard. You know, you get like a two percent raise. I was busting ass. I was top of the the unit. I was. I didn't need six months of training. I did all my training in one month. I was on big deal teams. I was helping a lot, and I was staying up till two in the morning, working for no reason. Because I just have an inter, I have something wrong with me inside of me that forces me to work. And you, you, when you put stuff in like that, when you're like a workaholic and you don't get something back as well, because some of us are workaholics too, and it's just we're broken people that work too hard. And then, but then you work too hard in an org that can't recognize that workaholism and, and like move you anywhere or like progress it or use it or tell you to back the fuck off. Like, why don't you sleep at night? That's where it was the disconnect. I was like, okay, like. Why am I doing this? I'm going to go work somewhere where working really hard is is appreciated. So it's like weird, actually. I don't know why I told this. I don't know if it's completely relevant. Go ahead, Steve. No, no, it's it's very relevant because if you find yourself in the shoes that Gianna just described, I have it's I'm like <laughs> obligatory. I'm not a licensed mental health professional. <laughs> um, oh my god. <laughs> that said. 
So this is where we start the uh, therapy session part of this episode. The real therapy session. <laughs> it, it, it does come back to expectations, though, yeah. right? Like if you expect your organization of any size to compensate you on like a linear scale, like if I put in X amount of effort, then Y amount of reward will come out the other side. That's only possible if A, you tell them what you expect that reward to be, B, they agree with it, and C, there's a budget for it. And if that conversation happens earlier in the career and happens outside of your head and in the actual world, there's an opportunity to solve that problem before it turns into burnout and quit. Now, workaholism, workaholicism is real though. And there's some folks who are like, that hole will never get filled, no matter how much reward. They end up doing stupid shit like buying Twitter. Like there's no saving. That, that human being has to save themselves, <laughs> right? So uh, if, you have a, if you're a leader and you see a teammate who's sending emails at 2 a.m., uh, you need to work with them to set expectations around like, don't be working at 2 a.m. Like at my company, for example, we work four days a week. That's it. Don't work more than that. If I email you on the weekend, it's because I needed to get something down so I don't forget about it. If you reply to me, I'm not going to be mad, but like, please know that there's zero expectation to reply. It's literally a place note for us yeah, to talk take about. Take your work email off your phone, guys, everybody. Yeah. Take your work email off your phone. Look at it when you're at your laptop and then your work laptop. And then you can like not. That's such a great point, Steve. It was the misalignment of expectations. And as leaders, especially with folks who are early career, you know, first job, second job, even third job. I had to teach people, I had to teach the new employees how to use a conference line. Like, because they were like, what do I do? Like when I joined the call and I had to be like, well, you you introduce yourself, you know, like you say, hi, this is, you know, Jennifer or whatever. Th um, thanks. And then go on mute and then you work on something else. But that's, that's Sometimes, deal. yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm so sorry. We're running out of time here. Maria, any quick tips? Thoughts. Well, I was going to ask Steve if he's hiring since, you know, it's a four, 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 uh, four day week, work week. I mean, it sounds amazing. Yes, you get paid for all 40 because it's all salary work, but you only work 32 hours a week. And the eight hour chunk ideally is either all one day off or I don't want to say you have the option, but like I would, if you're not going to just pick a whole day, I would ask you to please take Friday afternoon and Monday morning off so that you can like bookend your weekend kind of deal. And uh, I'm not hiring at the moment. We do have a new uh, individual. She starts in, f well, this is coming out later. So congratulations for wrapping up your internship, Kennedy. It's been great working <laughs> with you. <laughs> yeah, Kennedy. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, um, I, I definitely I, think we need to play our game though. Yes. All right. Before we head out. Sure. Our game is we're going to guess what you would be doing if you were not a CMO, CEO, book author also. Uh, so, Steve, you're a fun guy. I think you'd own a bar. Like a fun bar. Like because like, cool you could talk to – yeah, and you could talk to all sorts of people like all day. And then – Yeah, and maybe there's like TED Talks at this bar too. I don't know. But you'd have a bar. Or like if you don't drink, maybe it's like a cava bar or something. All right, Maria. I don't know. I'm getting, um, I don't know why I start my answer to this game like that, as if I was like some kind of psychic with a ball in front of me to like. Colin, Miss oh, Cleo. Yeah. <laughs> your aura is very purple. Thanks to Call me now for your free reading. Um, 
So I think you would actually be an elementary school teacher. I think you have the patience of a god, <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. Some gods are like very angry. That's um, true. That's, that's uh, super. But cool. yeah, I think you would have. You would. You would be an elementary school teacher for young kids. Thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. Um, my mother started her career as an early childhood educator. One of the first jobs I ever had was camp counselor, <laughs> which I which I parlayed at the age of fifteen, I think, into I think I was the only male babysitter in our town, Ooh. which made I was the only guy who would do babysitting, and so every parent that had boys was like. We'll pay you whatever you want. Like, oh <laughs> shit! Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> Demanding supply to the, to the rescue, and there you learned product market fit. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so uh, do so I who, guess too? Yeah. So, Steve, who is right, and then who? What would your actual answer be? Um, I would say. Closest? I would say between the two of you, what you're, you're you've centered in on the common theme because I feel like. Uh, bar owners slash bartenders, like owner operators of bars, are very much like elementary school teachers in terms of the caliber of cognitive awareness that they're dealing with, problems and inability to express them, a need for some coat, you know, like that. Yeah. So I'm here, I'm here for <laughs> all of, of that. The amount of stupid you have to deal with in both <laughs> as <scenarios>. as <laughs> having been stupid in both scenarios. Yeah, I'm willing to take on that. Um, yes. What would I be doing if I wasn't doing this? I, I do love the idea of teaching. Like I would love to be more like an instructor as opposed to like a full on doing research professor at a university, like that type of thing. But yeah, I would say you're both uh, uh, equidistant from that central mark we discussed. And if I could, I would probably teach some students at a college level and then go to the bar after class with them to see what's up. <laughs> I love it. I'll take Just... your class, Steve. It's a tie. All right. Well, Steve, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Stephen Lachance. I don't know why I don't go by Stephen, but Stephen Lachance. Um, you can also find me at discerner.com. I spelled it wrong when I created the company because marketing uh, smart and you can also the find the link. of URLs. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Uh, and you can find a link because uh, they promised to do it to uh, my book in the description here, yes. which you can click through to find the company if you'd like. Amazing. Thank you, Steve, for being on. If you want to be on Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing and have as unhinged a conversation as we had today, we had a good time though, uh, send us an email at hey there at cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com. Steve, will you be at Cyber Marketing Con this year? Yes. The jury's still out on whether or not I'll be sitting in a chair or standing on the stage. Mm, exciting. If you want to meet Steve Lachance in person, come out to Austin in December, where we're having the best conference for cybersecurity marketers, the most relevant and useful, impactful event of the year for anyone in the industry. Yeah, Thank you so of, much. Full of oh. awesome humans. Yeah, that too. <laughs> All right. Thanks. See you next Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Bye.